Hi, I'm Toby. And I'm Nick. And welcome to the Pure Property Podcast from Track Capital, where we talk about all things property and property investment. The aim of the podcast is to give you bite-sized chunks of our industry insight and knowledge to help investors invest intelligently. So this week, we're coming to you with part two of the different types of property investments. And yeah, we're going to kick things off this week. So just to recap on last week, the investment property types or the different property investment strategies that we went over were HMOs, houses of multiple occupancy. We went over short lets or holiday lets or serviced accommodation. We went over flipping, so property flipping. And we went over purpose-built student accommodation, also known as PBSA. So this week, I will kick things off with rent to rent. So as Nick mentioned at the end of last week, we're going to have a couple of property investment strategies, which aren't necessarily the most standard or standardized ones, uh, but they require less money and less capital outlay, which again, can some help people trying to get into property that don't have uh, the initial finance to get onto the normal property investment ladder. So I'm going to start with a property investment strategy called rent to rent. So rent to rent, you may have heard of it, you may not have heard of it, you may have seen it slapped across the internet as it is a strategy that is really put out there and it is used to sort of draw people in that don't have maybe large amounts of funds available to invest in property. And it's where you rent a property from a landlord and then you sublet it at a higher price to make a profit. So you rent it to rent it back out at a profit. Hence the name rent to rent. So these tend to take on the HMO or the service decomposition concept to generate a higher rental income to make a good profit. Uh, so rent to rent as well, something to bear in mind is th- there is an element of risk involved. And when we say there's also no capital outlay involved, there is because there's contracts involved. You have to get hold of the property. You usually have to furnish it. If the property is not in great condition, you might have to spend a bit of money doing it up to, to get it to condition to really sort of boost your rental income and help make that profit. So do bear that in mind. It's not sort of low risk and it's not completely no money needed, but it's it's less money than your, your normal average use a property investment. Now the pros of rent to rent, as I've just mentioned, less money needed to start. Another pro is you can start relatively quickly. Again, because there's not much money needed, you can start as and when you want to get into property. The other pro or advantage is you can generate income without actually owning a property or needing a mortgage. So again, if you've got bad credit history and it's absolutely impossible for you to get a mortgage or you might struggle on that side of things, then you can effectively invest in property in a sense and make money uh, from property as well. Now, what are the disadvantages? So one disadvantage is you don't own the property, so you don't benefit from the capital growth. So you are renting it out like a normal buy-to-let and making profit. But with a normal buy-to-let, you own the property. So when there's capital growth, you um, obviously capitalize on that. You don't in this scenario because you don't own the property. The landlord still does, but you don't. Uh, another disadvantage is you usually have to be very hands-on. And it is, again, uh, like some of the other ones we spoke about, it's very time-consuming, very labor-intensive. 
uh, you do have to usually be quite hands-on because you won't have the margins to pay for a managing slash letting agent to look after the property for you because you need to make sure you're getting that profit because you're, you're paying the rent and you need to make sure that you're making enough profit as well uh, to make it a well worthwhile investment. Another disadvantage of something to consider is they're quite difficult to find. Um, so it's quite difficult to find and get hold of landlords that are willing to do this because from their point of view, why are they going to rent it to somebody who's going to just go and rent it to somebody else? It's Some landlords don't grasp the concept and some landlords just don't want to do it. Uh, so that, again, is something that you do need to consider. Now, what type of investor is this going to suit? So this strategy would suit someone with little money, so not a massive capital outlay from the beginning. It's going to suit somebody that does have the time to go out and find these deals because that's a very difficult part of this strategy. It's going to suit someone that has a good understanding of the area that they are looking to do this strategy because that is very important to make sure that you are obviously crunching the numbers. You know what the rental income is likely to be, etc., etc. You know the type of properties and where you should get these properties to make sure that they are profitable. So again, you have to be good with numbers. The other thing that I think uh, this type of investor would have to consider is that they would have a higher risk tolerance as you are taking on a property. You're usually tied into a contract and you are going to be liable to pay the rent. So again, something just to consider. Uh, so again, because usually if you haven't got a high capital outlay from the beginning, if you do then fall short in the rent and you're not making profit and you're behind on the rent, you do have to pay the landlord as you're legally obliged to. So again, slight high risk there. So something to bear in mind. So Nick, why don't you bring us on to the next one? Fantastic. So lease option agreements, it's a technical term that is often banded around in the sort of property training industry or some people if they're first getting into property and they're watching YouTube videos etc you might see a few people mention this so effectively what it is is when a uh, potential buyer agrees with a landlord or a property owner um, to buy a property at a later date for a preset amount so a fixed amount in other words if the property is worth 100 grand now um, the it might be an option for the buyer to purchase it at a later date, say five years for £110,000. So the lease option is the the, the physical document that um, dictates that that's possible to do effectively. So yeah, just to recap then, so it's someone that goes to a house owner and says, right, I will buy this property for you from five, in five years time for £110,000. Let's sign an agreement now. I will take full ownership of the property in the meantime and pay your fixed rent so it is similar to rent to rent in that aspect so the potential buyer would take ownership and then make a bit of margin on the rental income and then they would have the option to purchase it back at that later date whatever it may be it's a key point to consider that it's the option of the buyer to buy it back it's not an enforced purchase so there is a level of flexibility which can be good for the potential buyer um, but it's yeah it just means that it's quite hard to find people that are actually willing to do this so yeah from the outset then so the potential buyer would agree this um, option to purchase a property say in five years time they would take ownership of the property now so the potential buyer would be responsible for the expenses the maintenance the upkeeping renting the property etc they would probably sublet the property on a room by room basis to generate income and make a bit of a margin 
And then if the market, for example, increases over the next five years to, and the property is worth £120,000, they've already locked in that £110,000 price. So you can see how there is a potential to make margin on the back end as well, which is a big incentive for a lot of people. Um, it was a popular strategy in the, in you know, going back years in the last recession um, when people were looking for quick exits, they might have been in negative equity, etc, etc. And they basically figured out a model where they would pay off the mortgage, etc. So it has been used before and it does continue to be used by people that are looking to enter the property market without substantial uh, investment straight off the bat. I mean, it can be used by or is often used by um, developers as well. If they're purchasing a bit of land, they may um, take an option on it, do some sales in the property, get some equity together and then pay off the land over, landowner. So, yeah, there's various ways to use it. Um, but, yeah, if you Google lease option agreements or have a look on YouTube, I'm sure you'll see hundreds of uh, property gurus explaining how it's the, the best strategy out there. So what are a couple of the, the advantages that they may be speaking about? So firstly, it's a good way to just start generating cash and to actually get your hands on the property or get in the property market without um, you know a huge deposit required so the, the other point is you know limited cash is required you don't have to pay a big deposit you don't have to get your 25 percent together you take over the property yes you'll have some expenses similar to what was discussed on the rent to rent section but ultimately you don't need a big chunk of cash and it's a good way to get in the market you know learn how things work liaise with the different parties and start to build up some potential equity in the long term downside is that it can end in end in tears you know people can change their minds they can try and withdraw from contracts they can take you know commence legal uh, battles so to speak um so it can get a bit messy if, if people's circumstances change you know at the end of the day five years is quite a long period of time so you know things do happen um so you just have to be aware if you are trying to do lease option agreements that um, you know you want it rigid you want it stone tight in terms of the contracts don't be cheap and do it on a handshake you know make sure it's all formal and verified by solicitors the second disadvantage is that it is quite difficult to actually find property owners that are willing to do this I'm not saying it's impossible but really you you need to have some kind of angle so they must be looking for a quick exit getting a distressed sale you know they've changed jobs they're looking to try and pay off their mortgage like they really do need a big why or a big motivating factor for them to do this to you so yeah it's not going to be a case that you're going to be able to go on right move make a couple of phone calls and find one you will have to take a dedicated and consistent work approach to finding these deals and um, or work with someone and pay someone to find them for you um, and yeah just the last downside as well there can be a relatively small margin by the time you've gone through all the legal process setting up the contracts getting the property in a, in a reasonable condition to rent by the time you've done all that it can eat into your margins but I think most people do it for that ability to try and effectively end up with a below market value property at the end of the process so almost taking a medium to long-term approach rather than looking in the uh, the immediate future so who would it suit it would suit people that are looking to minimize their capital outlay you know they haven't got 30 40 50 grand laying around but they do want to be active they're willing to work hard and they're enthusiastic that's a great way to enter the market um, it would be for someone that's got the time to actually do it as i said it will require significant networking speaking to estate agents homeowners going direct to vendor sending out letter drops or, or ways that people do go about finding them but yeah ultimately you will have to put in that work or you will have to pay someone to do it for you if you want to find the best of these options out there and 
Another thing to think about is you will need a good understanding of the actual model and the process itself, the financials involved. If you are new to the market, which this strategy does attract people who are new to the market, you need to maybe think about following some form of process or someone that's done it before. You know, be very careful. There's a lot of courses out there which are, you know, not worthwhile at all. But there are also, you know, ways to learn online through through YouTube or through, you know, low pay low ticket price courses. Um, but yeah, it's certainly being aware and knowing what you're doing before you're signing contracts, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, you will need to be um, you know, a bit more uh, not on the risk averse side so you will need to have a higher risk tolerance because as I mentioned things can chop and change the market can change people's circumstances change so it's likely that not every lease option you do is going to go absolutely according to plan so need to be you know willing to accept that effectively for the potential rewards so that's pretty much it on lease option agreements um, as I say great for entry-level people that are looking for to potentially have angles in the future where they can get in at below market value property. If you've got the time and you haven't got the money, then it could be something to explore. So Toby, if you want to bring us on to the next opportunity. Yes. So the next type of property investment strategy we're going to talk about is commercial property. Now, I'm not going to go into this with too much detail just because I don't know enough about it too but have a brief understanding of it so I'll just go through what I I do know and try and sum it up as best as possible. So with commercial property investments they tend to require less ongoing work and the leases are you oh sorry let me start that again. So a commercial property investment it's different to a normal residential so this might be where you buy a building which uh, has uh, an office space or a shop front in it and you rent it out to um, a company, um, a business, you might even rent it out to a big company such as Subway for example, they may may take the unit that you have available. Um, so it would be sort of a commercial use that it has. Now they tend to require less ongoing work and one of the good things about them is that the leases tend to be fully repairing and insuring. So this means the tenant that is in there they have to look after it as if it was their own. So they have to repair everything, look after it, insure it themselves, etc. So less ongoing costs and overall costs for the landlord. So if you have a good tenant with a nice stable business, good income coming in all the time, paying their rental time, then there's not much really that you have to do. So less headaches technically. The leases are usually for multiple years rather than uh, months like residential. So again, that's good. More long-term tenants. And there are also tax advantages and commercial property can be owned by a pension. The pros, tenancies tend to be long-term. Tax benefits, they can be held within a pension. And the leases are fully repairing and insuring. The cons can be harder hit in times of recession, which we have seen with the, the current coronavirus pandemic. A lot of commercial units have struggled. Um, their tenants have left, very hard to replace them. So that is that is definitely something to bear in mind. So times of recession or economic downturn, they can be more hard hit than residential property. The voids can be longer and Mortgages on commercial property investments are on a repayment basis and they usually have lower loan to values. What type of investor will this suit? So this strategy would suit someone probably experienced in this field or 
maybe joint venturing with somebody experienced in this field. Also somebody not looking for just a quick buck. So they're not in it. Uh, so they are in it for the long term. And somebody that wants an easier life and little and less headache. Um, and yeah, when I say someone experienced in this field, I mean more sort of property investing in general. I don't think this is for the novice of property completely. You need to have some sort of background or experience or like I mentioned, be taking advice or joint venturing with somebody that's been there and done it as well. Now that was briefly commercial. So I'm going to go straight into the next one that we're going to talk about. And this is actually the final one on our subject of property investment strategies. This one is last but not least, your standard buy-to-lets, also known as vanilla buy-to-lets. So this, as you may know or may not know, this is where you buy a property to rent it out with the aim to make money from the rental income and also from the growth of the property's value over time. So a traditional buy-to-let is a property that you rent out as a single unit or dwelling to a working individual or family. They are also known as professional lets. And this strategy is actually the simplest and in some ways lower risk option out of most of them. It has been around the longest time as well and there is a reason for that. It's simple and it works. So with a standard buy-to-let property investment, you just need to get your figures right in the first place and you need to buy in the right location, get a tenant, and then you collect the rent. That's it concluded in simple forms. Often your standard buy-to-lets or your vanilla buy-to-lets, whatever you call them, they're often perceived as the most boring out of all the other strategies that we've spoken about. But a lot can be said for keeping it simple. This strategy over the long term is an excellent one, especially for investors that prefer to be more hands off and maybe less experienced as well. We always say with your standard property investing buy to lets that it is hard to go wrong, especially in the sort of UK property market, because over time prices are always strong and rental prices as well are very strong as well. So yeah, it is hard to get it completely wrong. You also, when looking at this strategy, you can have student lets, we'll see where you rent students, and you can also have housing benefit lets as well. So this is where you will rent the property to people on housing benefits. What are the advantages of this strategy? So the first is it's relatively easy to get started. Uh, another it's easy to understand. Uh, there's also less time needed and a letting agent is relatively easy to find. So you don't really have to be hands-on. It's not going to take too much of your time and it is fairly easy to find a letting agent who's going to look after it all for you. Another advantage is if you get the numbers right and make allowances for costs, etc., then you can have predictable returns. You know roughly or pretty much on the dot what you're going to be getting each month. Another advantage, especially in comparison to a lot of the others we spoke about, they're easy for a mortgage and also for remortgages when looking to pull out that built up equity from capital growth over time. Now, what are the downsides? So returns aren't as high as some of the previous ones that we've mentioned. So some of some of the other strategies. And 
One of the other disadvantages or downsides is they don't sound as exciting as some of the others. So that's not really uh, a disadvantage or a con, but I just couldn't really think of many more on this one. So that's what I thought I'd just add in there as well. What type of investor would this suit? Now, this type of investor could have no experience or little experience. This works well for either. Uh, They can have a low risk appetite because this is a massively high risk um, and an investor that's looking medium to long term realistically and wants little to no hassle or headache they want to be hands off and this type of strategy is very good for remote investors as well so that is all of the property strategies that we are going to cover in part two so just to recap we did rent to rent We did lease options, commercial property, and we did your standard buy to lets. So, Nick, I don't know if you want to add anything to that. No, not at all. I mean, hopefully that between this episode and last week, uh, we covered off, I think, most of the main ones you'll you'll see out there. I mean, there are some, obviously, um, development aspects that people or experienced investors start to look at. If you want to start getting into, you know, refurbs, development projects, joint ventures, things like that. So it's certainly by no means an exhaustive list, um, but yeah, it's certainly for those looking to enter the market, hopefully a decent summary. So that would be, yeah, all I would have to say on that. Now, next week, we are going to be looking at our three top performing developments currently. Um, As a company, we work with different developers across the UK with a big focus on the, the best performing residential markets. So Manchester, Liverpool, Birmingham, for example, Um, So next week, what me and Toby are going to do is just run through very briefly our top, what we consider to be our top performing property developments. So hopefully that'll be helpful, give you a flavour of what we think about, what we think is important when reviewing a new build investment and, you know, why these ones are so special. So hopefully that will be insightful. And uh, yeah, that's all we've got time for today, I believe. Yeah, thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time. Bye bye. Bye bye.